Hallelujah. It's always so be good being home. It's where I, Hurricane's home. Amen? Amen. Um, before we get started tonight, I would, I would dare not ever start without giving honor to Bishop and to Renee. Uh, they are our bishop and our pastor, our first lady. Uh, we changed his name in sonship class from bishop. Some of you guys call him pastor. We call him Papa B now. So it's uh, Papa B. Thank you so much. And can you guys put your hands together? Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you would grab your word to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. I want to continue with this series of hope rising. Uh, I don't know about you. It's blessed me if it's blessed nobody else. Amen. 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 It's been very, very um, special to my own life. Um, I remember, and I was telling my wife on the way up the road uh, coming here tonight, that if there was ever a message that I felt my heart, my spirit, my mind, everything about me connected to is the, spirit, is the message I'm going I'm, I'm to try to teach you tonight. Um, it's very much my story. It's my story. It, it's who I am. It's what I, what I came from. It's, it's my testimony of where I'm at now. Uh, you know, so many times people would ask me, you know, when you've been through a lot and people ask you what's your testimony, you don't know where to begin, right? Uh, when you've been through hell and back, you don't know what part of hell to tell them about, right? Uh, but one thing that I do know without a shadow of a doubt is that I did come from a place of no hope. Absolutely, I came from a place of no hope in my own emotions, my own psyche, my own mind, uh, with family, with my daughter's health, with ministry. I came to a place where there was no hope whatsoever. Uh, but how do you know God is good? Yeah. I mean, with the bottom of my heart, I, I told Ellie on the way here, I said, it, it's amazing where God will bring you. And it doesn't mean nothing to do with ministry. It means if you knew where you was at in your heart, not just in the physical, right? But where you was at in the heart. And God will take your heart and turn it around to make it tender again. Yeah. But how many know that's a choice we make, right? It's a choice to walk, that no matter what we're walking through, that we can walk in it and say, God, no matter what, I'm going to walk out of this thing. So if you would turn into your, to your word, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. I'm going to read one verse. I'm going to try to teach on this a little bit tonight. It may come across a little bit different than what you've ever heard it before. Uh, actually, it's different than what I've ever heard it before. Um, but how do you know God is going to honor his word tonight? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Of life. Look at somebody beside you and say, There is a spring of hope at the end of bitterness. There is a spring of life at the end of bitterness. Father, we thank you, God, tonight. Father, we praise you, God. Father, we worship you, God, and no matter what we're walking through or who we are, God, or what circumstances we face, God, we give you praise tonight. We give you worship, God, we give you honor, God. Because, God, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. God, you are the restorer of our, of our souls. God, they, God, if you brought us in it, God, you're going to bring us through it. And, Father, we thank you and we give you praise, God, because, God, you are our hope. You are our hope and glory. And, Father, God, we're going to give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The word says in Hebrews that now faith is the substance of 
of things hoped for and the things not seen. So he gives us a description of what faith is. Faith is, it's defined there. A lot of times if somebody would ask you, what is your faith? You begin to tell them it's in the resurrection. It's in God getting, dying on the cross. It is, it is in Christ alone. It is in my church. It is in my church family. But the Bible describes faith is, faith is the substance of things hoped for and things not seen. Meaning there has to be a substance of hope before there can ever be faith. He says you've got to have a substance of hope before there can ever be faith. The word substance means a tangible thing. It means something that you can hold on to in the physical. So what he's saying is there, you're hoping for something that you can touch. And if you can touch it, faith will begin to arise. That's where our faith begins to arise at. That's where our faith begins to start. That's where our hope is at. Before I go any farther, how many know that that's where our hope has got to be? That no matter what we, the Bible says that hope is the anchor of the soul. That we have found out over the last couple of weeks that hope is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, right? He is everything that we can walk through. He is every. He is our hope. Yeah, we may put hope in material things, we may put hope in relational things, we may put it in education, we may put it in, in, in ministry, but ultimately our hope has got to be in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That's where our hope has got to be anchored in. That's where our hope has got to start at and end at. Yeah, and everything in between is just something we're having, we're faith in it for. We're faith in it for. But if we have hope, it is something that, that is where it starts. That's why he says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and the reality is when we get our hope on anything other than Jesus, uh, how many know that's when the enemy can begin to come in and destroy us? Because we put our faith in a relationship, he'll take the relationship away from us. If we put our hope in a job, have you know he'll shake up the job to see where your faith is at. If, he, if, if, your, if your hope is in your bank account, have you know that he will shake up your bank account because the enemy knows that he will start right there. But have you know when your hope is in Jesus, he can't touch you. Uh, yeah, he can't, he can't touch you right there. He can't touch you. Because this is the thing. If my hope is in Jesus and you take away my house, I still have hope in him. Yeah. If my hope is in Jesus and you take away the relationship, I've still got hope. And, and the reality is if we keep ourselves with, the Bible says, a plumb line, a, 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 a line that is straight, that says, God, my, my, my faith is in nothing more than you. He says there is a tangible hope, a tangible hope. Have you know, we all have this tangible hope. Uh, there, there are certain things. He says things, things, substance of things hoped for. What things are we hoping for? Have you know, I'll just put it in basic terms, Our uh, things. We, we put hope in salvation. That if I make this move to get up out of the altar, make uh, out of the pew, and make my way to the altar, that that is where salvation is going to meet me. So I take the step of hope that my life is going to change. So God meets me there. Uh, that if I have a hope of salvation, uh, of healing, that if I'm believing for healing, we've said this for nine years, then we will continue to say it, that we have had a hope for destiny's 
reports to turn around, right? And I want to let you know that after walking through that with nine years, having to know sometimes that your hope gets bleak. And you've got to remind yourself that my hope is not in the doctor's reports, but my hope is in him. Right. Come on now. And, and I just want to say this because I've, got, I've not got to say this in Hurricane yet, but we just got our first good report two weeks ago, and we give God all the praise. I'm not telling you we're out of the woodwork. I'm not telling you that she is completely healed, but I am telling you she is being healed and she is walking toward healing. And we've seen the first manifestation of a thing beginning to happen. Amen. Amen. We pray as a church for revival. We, we hope for revival. That hope will, that revival will hit our city. That it'll hit our schools. It'll hit our churches. I, I want to drop this in here. I don't know if you saw the kid down in Logan that literally stopped lunch, started praying, uh, and began to tell his testimony of how he had leukemia. Come on now. This just happened last week and it's being shared around the world. Nine students gave their heart to Jesus. How many know there is hope for our generation? There is a generation that is beginning to stand up and says revival is what we want. Or tangible things. If you're a Christian, have you know that our hope of glory is on the other side? I know we don't talk about that a whole lot, but have you know there still should be a hope of seeing heaven one day? I, I know we don't talk about it a whole lot, but it still should get you excited down deep inside of you that I can't wait to touch the streets of gold, that I can't wait to see the face of Jesus. I can't wait to see the crystal blue seas. I can't wait to sit at God's feet and sing holy, holy, holy. So there are these things that we hope for. The reality is, he says there, there is a thing, a desire. But just to go beyond a spiritual thing, to have you know we hope for things. I hope that I'll get this job. I hope that, I, that this relation. Come on now, it, it takes a lot of nerve to ask a woman out. Or vice versa, if you're that bold as a woman. It takes a lot of nerve. And I hope it'll work out. Yeah. When you want to get married, uh, it takes a lot of faith to ask her to marry you. Amen. Especially you, Josh. It should have took a lot of faith. Hallelujah. (laughs) And the reality is it takes a lot of faith to do these things. That it becomes tangible within my hand. And the Bible says that these things are our desires. Our desires are within him. In Psalms chapter 37 verse 4, he says he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the things of your heart. I'll give you the desires. And you know what I found out? The more my things that I want, the more my desires line up with him, having no, I'm on a sure beaten path that God's will becomes my will. And it's only a matter of time that God brings these desires to me. Because my desire is his desire, and his desire becomes, becomes my desire. And that when you see me, you hopefully see the Christ that lives in me. And then when I speak, it's not that I need a car. Come on now, but I need more of him. And, and the reality is he'll put desires down inside of you. The word desire means a place of vision. He'll give you a vision, unlock something inside of you to say, this is what I, I long for you to have. And have you know you will begin to long for that thing you'll have a hoping for that thing the promises of God are true they are yea and amen as as Paul begins to say there and so the reality is he'll put these promises inside of you and he'll say if you'll be faithful to me I'll give it to you 
living for God is that many things don't come to pass instantly. They take a while. And you know what I found out? That the greater the blessing, the greater the longevity. The greater the process I've got to walk through. And what happens is because we have a longing inside of us, it begins to have this hope that begins to arise. And I don't know about you. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what your faith is for. I don't know what you're hoping for. But you know what I found out is that there's sometimes that God will even place the very thing that you've been hoping for and having enough faith for even in your hands. You will jump for joy. You'll praise God. You'll worship God. And you will worship and say, God, the very thing I've been believing for, God is now in my hands. But what do you do when God places it in your hands, but it begins to slide back out of your hands? You know that the vision's not been fulfilled. You know that what you've been hoping for has not been fulfilled. You know that it's not been fulfilled. And it leaves you longing for more. It leaves you longing for the very thing that you have been faithing for, that you've been hoping for. And I don't know about you, that when you have went through the roller coaster ride of life and through the roller coaster ride of relationships and through the roller coaster ride of businesses and through the roller coaster ride of ministry, have you know that you can get to the point where you'll say, God, I give up on the dream. I give up on the very thing that you placed inside of me but you know what i found out is that when your desires line up for god no matter how much you try to walk away from it or no matter how much you try to change courses having that longing is still inside of you there's a longing inside of you and so many times we are so temporal in nature that we struggle we struggle with eternal promises We struggle. We are temporal in nature. Could you imagine Joseph when Joseph is standing there and here he's brought out of slavery and out of the pit and he's had these dreams and he finally gets to Potiphar's house. Could you imagine Joseph standing there and saying everything I have been believing for and faithing for and hoping for is beginning to come to pass and all hell begins to come against Joseph. And the very thing that he had been believing for slides out of his hands. Have you ever had a thing slide out of your hands that you've been believing for? You've been believing for. Let me, let me put this in layman's terms. Have you ever had a good doctor's report and you thought that it was on the upside? You got some new medicine. You got a new surgery. You got a new hope that all of a sudden things were starting to turn around and it turned around for three months, six months. And you got a hope and everything's bright and you're celebrating. And all of a sudden, the very thing that you were hoping for, the healing begins to turn. My question is to you, what do you begin to do then? What do you begin to do when the very thing that was inside of your heart begins to make you sick? At the very thing that you've been hoping for. Let me say this. If you have a measure of success by whether or not your vision has materialized, you're setting yourself to be a candidate of discouragement. But you've got to keep focus on the vision and not the condition. 
That when you're believing for big things, you cannot be walking by sight, but you've got to walk by faith. Because what I found out is that when you're believing for things, how many know God will give you things that he knows you can't do on your own, but he will give you a vision that is so big, there is no way on earth that you could ever accomplish it within yourself. And the reality is your conditions will never, ever line up. Come on now. They will never line up with what God is bringing in your life. But you've got to stay focused on the vision and say, God, no matter what is walking in my life or in and out of my life or slipped through my hands or I've tasted it and it was good, then no matter what I've walked through, I've got to stand and say, my hope is still in you. Listen, I said this this past week, that failure is only when you give up. As long as you never give up, there's no way in the world you have ever failed. People may call you a failure you may look like a failure you even may call yourself a failure but as long as you keep getting up every single day looking yourself in the mirror and say God it is only by your grace that I got up one more day and God if I can get up God you're going to get me up to where you're going he says there the hope deferred makes the heart sick Have you ever hoped for something so much and believed in it so much to where it began to make you sick? Okay, that's like two real people. I'm talking about have you ever believed for something so much that it made you sick? The very thought of it made you anxious. The very thought of it gave you anxiety. The very thought of it gave you panic attacks. The very thought of it brought tears down your face. And you said, God, bring this thing away from me. God, give me something else. Give me a new vision. Because God, the hope that you're giving me, the faith of what you want me to have, God, is making me sick inside of me. And what begins to happen is that we're not, we're not careful. The disappointments of life will turn into discouragement. I don't want to preach too much tonight, but I just want to teach a little bit because the disappointments of life and the disappointments of a faith that continues to hit walls, it will eventually become discouraged. And what I found out is that when you become discouraged, that discourage will lead from your mind and it will trickle down to your heart. And if you're not careful, careful, that seed of discouragement will take up root in your heart. It will take up root in your heart to where the very thing that you were hoping for now becomes replaced with discouragement. If you're not careful, this discouragement will lead to bitterness and bitterness will begin to take over your heart. Faith will begin to disappear. You know what I found out is when faith disappears, fear takes over. Hope deferred produces fear and it makes you uncertain of yourself and even more uncertain of God. Anywhere faith, you are either walking in fear or you're walking in faith. I want to say that to you again, that no matter what you're facing in life, if you look at it in the eyes of fear, it will always tell you that you cannot overcome. But if you walk in it in faith, that no matter what you look at it through the lens of faith, the Bible says that you are more than an overcomer. My good God. That if 
if everybody be against you, that if God is still for you, how in the world? Come on now. The Bible says greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. Fear will tell you to give up. Fear will tell you to sit on the sidelines. Fear will tell you to put your hands down and worship. Fear will tell you not to go back to church. Fear will tell you don't try the marriage one more time. Fear will tell you don't open a new business. But faith says, my God, if he did it back then, he will do it again. If you want to write these down, I want you, I want you to write these down if you get a chance or watch it again on the podcast. I want to give you the six stages of a hope deferred heart. The six stages of a hope deferred heart. It will always start with disappointment. But then number one, the hope deferred heart, it will lead to discouragement. To where you feel more down than you do up. Have you ever thought to yourself that if I can just get to church, things will turn around? Yeah, if I can just get to that life group, I'll get encouraged. But the whole time you're there, your head's down. You're not talking to anybody. You're more inward than you've ever been. You're discouraged. The Bible says, David said, oh God, be the lifter of my head. And I've got to encourage myself. Number two, there's a state of confusion. It's when we begin to question ourselves, our dreams, and God's promises. We question ourselves, our dreams, and God's promises. State of confusion, that's the easiest one to get into. We're confused. Confused that why are people worshiping? (laughs) What are they feeling? I don't feel anything. I'm confused. God, I thought you said you were behind this. God, I thought you said do it one more time. God, I thought you said step on faith one more time. Could you imagine Peter? God, you told me to walk across the water, but as I walked, I began to sink. God, you said do this. You said come unto me. And as I began to walk, I sunk again. God, I'm failing again, and we begin to question everything around. So we go from discouragement to confusion to number three. We go to unbelief. Hope is now lost and expectation is gone. I'm going to get into this in a minute. But how do you know most of the kingdom of God is right there? Hope is now lost and expectation is gone. The only time we have expectation is when someone big is coming to the area. The only time I can get healed is if a healing preacher is coming to the area near me. The only way I can prosper in finance is if a prosperity preacher is coming around and he tells me the seven steps of how to become prosperous. I have no expectation that everything I've worked for, everything I've done in the past isn't working. But having you know, sometimes God will say, do it again person that maybe you're trying to lead to Christ and all they've ever said is no and you get to the place where you even believe that they can't be saved you as the believer get to the place where you believe that your family member can never be saved because of the sin they have got into my good God to tell the enemy that the blood is is weaker my good God The, the blood is weaker than him 
We go from unbelief to disillusionment. This is number four, disillusionment. Usually, it involves the questioning even the character of God. We have, we begin to, have you ever questioned God? Come on now, we, we can all be real here. God, why in the world are you letting me walk through what I'm going through? We begin to be like David and Jesus and say, my God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? Where it feels like my prayers hit the ceiling. It feels like my praise is hitting a bare wall. It feels like nothing, God is nowhere in the room. And we begin to question God, have you even called me to do what I'm called to do anymore? I don't feel effective anymore. So I go from being unaffected to where now I'm questioning, are you effective as God? We go from disillusionment to bitterness. Deep feelings of resentment. We blame God and others and ourselves. That's one of the worst, worst places you can ever be in your life right there. Bitterness is one of the hardest things to ever get out of your life. I'm going to tell you that standing here as a testimony of God, it is the hardest thing you will ever. Alcohol compares nothing to bitterness. Drugs compares nothing to bitterness. Bitterness becomes a root so down deep in your heart where you are angry at everybody and everybody around you and you're angry even at God. We've all had these people around us. We've all encountered ourselves. Number six, I want to go here, cynicism. We begin to be cynics and we have a complete loss of faith and hope in God. So we go from, we go from discouragement, confusion, unbelief, disillusionment, bitterness, and cynicism. And the reason why I ask you to write these down is because I always want you to check your heart and say, God, at what level that if I don't sense you, I don't feel you, and I'm disappointed, I want you to go back to your checklist and say, God, where am I at in this thing? God, has hope eroded from my life? Has hope left me from my life? Has hope left me from my wording? God, am I in a place where, God, I don't believe that anything can happen any longer. And we can go over it. But can I tell you something? You've got to get to a place where you say, God, I am going to let faith and hope arise back inside of me. Because this is the thing, that bitterness will never produce anything. When you see Jacob and Esau, Esau was bitter that Jacob had taken the, the, the blessing from him. And it said he cried great drops of tears. But even in the tears, he found no place of repentance because he was so bitter over what Jacob had done that even tears did not produce it. But he had to come back to a heart of repentance and say, God, renew a right spirit within me create a new heart within me God do a new work within me and begin to do what only you can begin to do we've got to have faith faith is the is the currency and the atmosphere in which God moves and where there is no faith God cannot move 
Where there is no faith, God can be not begin to move. We've got to begin to check ourselves. If it hurts when you think about the dream, you have possibly had hope deferred. If passion has decreased and you have become indifferent that you have been trespassed by hope deferred, the virus is at work. If you find yourself going through the motions and doing and saying all the right things while feeling empty and lifeless inside, you may be a victim of this enemy. When you feel no lack of passion, when you have no desire, when you have no worship, when you have no drive, when you have unbelief, and you retreat in life. Can I tell you something? The biggest thing at all that you can begin to, how you can check it. You can check the thermometer. You know, sometimes when you get a flu, they'll stick the little thermometer in your mouth, and it'll gauge, do you have the flu? You know you have the flu, right? You know you have it. You're burning up. Your face is red. You're chilling all over, but for still some reason, they want to stick a thermometer in your mouth to check to see, do you have a temperature? I mean, really, you can't feel me and tell that I got a temperature, but they want to say, because the reality is you can check the thermometer of your hope by based upon your wording. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Can I tell you something? You have become poisonous when all that comes out your mouth is never hope, but yet it is the toxicity and the negativity and the cynicism of everybody else around you and what what church can't do and what God can't do. But I want to tell you, despite your words, God is still true. And despite people's words, there is a remnant of people. And despite the negativity of the church, the reality is there is a remnant of people that still stands up and looks back over their life it says my God is still true we get to a place where we are poisonous and toxic and everything is running wrong inside of us have you ever tried to run and you know you're out of shape hallelujah hallelujah I remember one time I was running a little bit. When I mean a little bit, I'm talking about like a half a mile, but that's as good as I got. But felt good. You know how like you get that half a mile and you're like, man, I can run a marathon now. And I remember once one time I we went hiking and I thought, man, for sure, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I remember about a mile or two into that up that mountain, I didn't know how I was going to get back. Somebody was going to have to call the ambulance and get a four-wheeler and carry me back out of there. <laughs> because you know why? After years of unhealthy living, my heart had become clogged up with wrongful decisions. The Bible says for us to run the race with endurance. To run the race with endurance. But some of us are only making it to Sunday morning and we can't even make it back to the parking lot <laughs> because of the clogged up issues in our own mind, the issues within our heart, the issues within us. And we get to the place where we have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Have you ever worked out with somebody that is in a lot better shape than you? I mean, a lot better shape, or even just a little bit better shape. And as long as they're looking at you, you're putting a lot of effort in. 
But the moment they say they got to go to the bathroom, man, you are sitting on the bench waiting for them to come back. Man, I just finished a set. Man, I took a lot. And you've been sitting there for five minutes. And you'll put the effort in as long as somebody is watching. And so many times we will put the effort into God when people are watching. We'll put the effort into worship when everybody else is worshiping. I'll shout in praise when all the praisers are in the house. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's about seven, eight, ten big loudmouths in this church. I used to be one of them. And when the ten loudmouths are here, the praisers get high. But what about when the ten are, are off busy because of work or different things? My question is to you, is your praise still high despite the praisers in the room? Or do you say, God, I come in here to praise you despite who's watching me? Because, God, it is you that I come in here to praise. Mm. The Bible talks about, he, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, he says to strengthen the knees that are feeble. The word, the word feeble in the Greek means paralua. It means, in the English, it means a place of being paralyzed. How you know fear will paralyze you from moving forward in God? Things didn't work out. How you know you were on fire for God when you first started? You were on fire. Didn't matter who was listening. Didn't matter who wanted to listen or didn't listen. You were going to tell them about Jesus. But the first time discouragement got inside of you, it began to paralyze you from the things that God could still do. And we are living in a church now. We are living in a, in a kingdom now where the kingdom has become paralyzed in fear and all hope has lost. And we're living in a hopeless church. But can I tell you? despite a hopeless church we still have a king of glory who is still full of hope and we've got to get back to saying I'm not doing this because somebody's watching I'm not doing it for a Sunday morning only but I am doing this because you're worthy to be praised you have brought me through too much for me to sit here and not lift my hands you took me through the valley when I shouldn't have walked through the valley I should have died in the valley but I thank God for the blood that reaches the high mountain and it reaches the lowest valley that it still flowed to where I was at it found me in my mess it found me in my muck it found me in my bitterness and because of that I lift my hands and say no matter who likes it or doesn't like it I'm going to give God some praise in this place there's something about the mind the mind the mind was created to be creative. Have you ever had one of those days where you say, I'm going to kick back and do nothing today? You deserve it. You've done a whole lot for a whole month. I mean, you have worked, and, and you have worked till you are exhausted. And you said, I'm going to sit back and do nothing today. Have you ever looked at how you felt at the end of the day? You feel worse than what you did on the days you were being, had momentum. Setting in the lounge chair feels great for a while, but after a while, setting will make you feel worse. <laughs> It'll make you feel worse than getting up and doing something. And the reality is the mind, because we were created by a creative God, I'm ending with this, it, it, because we were created by a creative God, the reality is God created our mind to be imaginative. You are more created than you've ever given yourself a, a, a credit for. And the reality is when you are not creative at all, your mind begins to slip into a place where if it's not moving forward, it will move backwards. 
Have you ever seen someone retire? And when they, when they retire and they don't keep their mind active, it's shortly after that they go downhill. Because the mind was creative to be active. And, and the reality is it's, it's been proven that when the mind is not imaginative and creative, it begins to slip back to old memories. My good God. It begins to slip back sometimes good memories and sometimes bad memories. And the reality is when we become paralyzed in a hopeless state, when we begin to be paralyzed in a hopeless uh, mindset, the reality is we begin to look back over what he did rather than what he's going to do. My good God. Have you ever seen a church where all they want to talk about is the good old days or what God did in the past and how many revivals were in the past and how many movements happened and how many people got saved? Can I tell you something? We are still serving a God that wants to reach this region today and he wants to turn this city upside down just like he did with Paul. He wants to turn Hurricane and Culloden upside down with, with the One Life Church. He wants to turn Nitro upside down with One Life Church. Why? Because you have a group of believers that says we have hope despite what we've walked through. Isaiah chapter 43, he says, forgetting the former things, do not dwell on the past, but behold, I do a new thing. Can I tell you something? If we get so concerned about what did not happen or what God did do, and we don't focus on what God is going to do, we will miss a movement from God. We will miss a revival from God. We will miss a harvest that God wants to bring us into. But every day we've got to get up and remind ourselves that there is hope for our region. There is hope for my family. There is hope for my business. There is hope for my church. There is hope for me and I'm going to walk into it. I'm reminded of a woman that walked through issues for 18 years. 18 years. Could you imagine? Listen, I've walked with Destiny for nine years of her life. And there have been days where literally Ellie and I have laid in the bed angry at God and said, God, why are we walking through these issues? We begin to blame each other. If we hadn't done this in the beginning of our marriage, if we hadn't argued then, our little girl wouldn't be like this. If we hadn't said this, maybe God would have turned it around. But, but after all of that... We had to wipe the tears and stand up and say, God, regardless of hope has been deferred, there is a desire that's been fulfilled, and out of it is the tree of life. And I can't imagine this woman that has walked through this issue for 18 years. It says she has seen every doctor that's coming and going. She has seen everything. And could you imagine the ups and the downs and the roller coaster? But here come Jesus in through the streets. Here come Jesus walking through the street. Here come the hope of glory walking through. Here come the master physician walking through the streets. And she said, now is my chance. And if I can just get to him, God will turn this thing around. Uh, listen I don't know when your time is coming I don't know when your promise is coming but all I know is I don't want to miss it because my head is down I don't want to miss it because I'm bitter I don't want to miss it because I'm discouraged but I want to keep my head lifted high and set every chance that I feel his presence I want to rejoice I want to worship I want to praise him because today might be my day Somebody give God some praise in this place. Rob, come on. 
The reality is the Bible says that his word will come back to us and it will accomplish the very thing that it's set out to do. It will. Listen, when that word is set out, it will accomplish the very thing that it is set out to do. When God places the desire inside of you, it will come to pass. And I want to let you know that all throughout the word of God, even when Sarah laughed, my good God, even when Sarah laughed, the baby was still born. Even when Moses said, I can't do it, he still let him out of Egypt. Even when David was a little boy and rejected, he still became the king. Even when Nehemiah didn't have the resources, he still built the wall. My good God, the blind man still saw. The deaf ears still opened up. Lazarus still was raised from the dead. And I want to let you know, the reality is his word will come to pass. And I want to encourage you to walk into it with your head lifted high. Stand with me tonight.